Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> We're on double digits. This is episode number 10. Ooh, double digits? Oh, double digits. Uh, this is wow, wow, Yeah, thank you so much for sticking to us with for 10 full episodes. We really appreciate every single one of our listeners. Yeah, so thank you so much. If you're still listening, you guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you're joining us for the ride because we are on chapter two, text number 29. What's happening so far, Shamali? We're diving Alrighty. into the soul, right? Krishna's talking about the Krishna's soul. Krishna's been lot. really hammering down on the soul. So, preview before that, Arjuna was like, I don't want to fight, don't want to fight. I'm going to run to the forest. Krishna's like, No, that is your duty, or that is not your duty. Do your duty. Your duty is to be a soldier. Right, right. Especially against these corrupt people. And then we saw a total shift, and Arjuna's like, You're right. I don't know anything. Kind of like almost like a child when they look up and they stop fighting and having their tantrum on the floor and they're like, I don't know what to do. Help what do I do? Help me, what please. Do I do? Um, and from there, right, Krishna's really been hammering down on the basic contents of like, we're not the soul. Or, oh my God, we're not the soul, we're the body. We're not the body, we're the soul. What else? What else, Shama? And, and so, and he also talks about the different components of the soul and what the soul looks like, where it's situated inside the body, it's located in the heart, and also how powerful the soul is. Right. Mm. So that has been wonderful. And we're going to start again with text 29 but before we do that the invocation please ladies oh my jnana timirandasya jnananjana shalakaya shakshurun militam yena tasmai shri gurave namaha translation I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Jai. So, All right. Jai. So chapter two, text 29. Do you want to take it away, Shamasangita? Let's do it. Some look on the soul as amazing. Some describe him as amazing. And some hear of him as amazing. While others, even after hearing about him, cannot understand him at all. Okay, we're going to do rapid fire, okay? There's a lot of things that we know about the soul that we've discussed in chapter two. I'm going to give me one word. We're going to go in a circle. Give me one word that describes the soul. Putting us on the hot seat. I got it. The hot seat, okay? You ready? Yes. All right. Priyadarshini. Individual. All right. Shamali. Full of bliss. All right. Priyadarshini. Indestructible. Okay, yep. Full of knowledge. Okay. Conscious. Conscious. Smaller than the tip of your hair divided into tons of pieces. Yes, 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 yes. Priyadarshini. Within the heart. Within the heart. Um, what, um, what can't it be killed by? Oh, cannot be killed by any weapons. Yes. Invisible. <laughs> Invisible. Uh, it cannot be analyzed by any modern technology because it's so small. Yes. It cannot be killed by nuclear weapons. And, and the greatest of all. What? It is eternal. Eternal. Ooh. And it is a symptom of consciousness. Oh my God. So permeating your whole body. So many beautiful things <laughs> you guys just mentioned. So many beautiful things. And you know why? Because the soul is amazing. <laughs> Jazz amazing. hands, everybody. Jazz hands. Soul is amazing, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, this verse talks about how amazing the soul is. And you guys both just described all of these beautiful facets of the soul, right? And that's who we are. We are not these bodies. When Christian keeps honing on, on the fact that like once we die, the, the body goes to the garbage but the soul goes to a brand new body right because mm-hmm. the soul is forever and you know what even this text itself i think hones in on the concept of an old soul versus a young soul with some people just get
get it. You know how those little kids sometimes you might speak to and think, wow, they're an old soul. They ask questions. Like that kid I referenced that asked the deep question about how can God be one yet be in everyone's heart? I looked at that kid and I was like, whoa. Okay. Hello, old soul. That five-year-old is a genius. He's an old soul. Right. And then some other people, like it says in the text, even after hearing all this, cannot understand at all that you just feel they're a very, oh, you young soul. Oh, such a young soul. (laughs) (laughs) Still dummy, dummy young soul. (laughs) (laughs) And you know how I think about it, the analogy that said, like, if we come into this world in point A and point B, and we're just kind of picking up where we left off, It doesn't mean that one soul is better than the other. It simply means they're at a different point in their linear journey. Maybe they've had less lives to digest it all because we pick up exactly where we left off from. Yes. I want to talk about that a little bit in terms of Now this episode, (laughs) episode, sorry, this text (laughs) is also kind of the purport is going into the description of how amazing the soul is. And it says the fact that the atomic soul is within the body of a gigantic animal in the body of a gigantic banyan tree and Whoa. also in the micro 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 microbic line, microbic line, <laughs> microbic, <laughs> germs, microbic germs millions and billions of which occupy only an inch of space is certainly very amazing oh i love that you know why it reminds me of what didn't wasn't it martin luther king who said um God is in the tree. God is in this, in that. God is everywhere. And if God is in the soul as the super soul, that means everything that has life and grows has a soul, has God within. From mm. us, the trees, to my hamster, Mr. Pokey, everything oh, has Pokey. a rest soul. Recipes, recipes, recipes. no. Oh, no. Explain, explain, explain why. rest in peace. You what right, Priya, mean? you caught us. I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. We forget, we forget the soul. soul. Mr. Pokey is maybe now a devotee or a child or a dog or a tree. I don't know what he is. No, nah, no, nah, maybe not. Let's hope not a tree. Let's hope Mr. Pokey continued on the evolution of higher and higher consciousness. I there hope we go. he could have been reincarnated into one of you guys. And become, oh my God. He's my best friend. So <laughs> uh, I might have Pokey. Did you do the math <laughs> on how old we are? Thank you for thinking we look so young. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. So young. So beautiful. I love it. Um, anything on this, on this first, because it talks about how we've learned how beautiful and amazing the soul is and how powerful it is. Anything else before we move on to the next verse? Yeah, there's um, one point I do like that illusion by material energy, people are so engrossed or like engaged in subject matters of sense gratification, like just pleasing their senses, that they have very little time to understand the questions of self-understanding, even though it's a fact that without this self-understanding, all activities result in ultimate defeat in the struggle for existence. So basically saying, this is the most important thing, like when we reference questions like, what are we even doing here? Why? What's the point of everything? Why are we working to, to what just die meaningless deaths? Like, why don't we then make time to question these bigger questions? We're yes. just kind of like, you know what imagery I have is kind of like everyone has their head down and is just going through the motions. Like I'm going to wake up, I'm going to eat, I'm going to go to work, get back, go to sleep, blah, blah, repeat through Monday through Sunday. Mm. That's it. Are we not going to wake up for a second and be like, hold up, what's the point of everything? Mm -hmm. So how funny, even here it says, so few people actually take the time to even question these deeper questions. What is going on? Like the song, what's going on? Yeah. And I think like (laughs) the fact that you're listening to this podcast shows that you are willing to ask deeper questions, yeah, right? Yeah, put yourself on the back yeah. if you've gotten to episode, what is this, episode 10 with Episode us? 10, yeah, yeah, because I think 90% <laughs> of the world just goes through the rat race and never asks those higher questions in their life. Yeah. Krishna even says one in a million 
actually turn to me mm-hmm. and try to understand me. Me being, not Shamali, me being God. God. <laughs> yeah. and, and spiritual progress and spiritual growth, right? Can I tell a silly story? Absolutely. It's okay, a favorite so type of stories we love. There's, there's this, uh, <laughs> there's a, a new thing that's been happening for, I think, the last few years in which, and I'm bringing this up because we're talking about animals and I feel like I don't know where else this will go as a story, but... I thought this was really interesting. So nowadays, uh, dog owners and even cat owners are training their animals to speak to them, Mm. right? So the dog can speak to the owner. And the way they do it is they have these buttons that they put on the ground and the button will be like uh, one button when you press it, it says, feed me, feed me or (laughs) walk or play play. or it'll say like the name of the dog. So like the name of the dog is. Rufus. Rufus. It'll be like Rufus hungry. So like there's two buttons. So the dog learns how to communicate in simple sentences about its needs. Amazing. And I recently watched one and the buttons that this dog had, I guess this is like a dog had just been doing this for a while. I don't know why it had these, but the dog asked why Rufus dog. And I thought... Oh my God. Was Whoa. the dog asking an existential question? Yeah. I, oh I mean, God. like, I don't know. No, I imagine him to say, Rufus, poop on carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Rufus, very sorry. So, <laughs> when Rufus exactly. said, why Rufus dog? Exactly. So, wow. I, and so then, wow. I mean, what that, that, what that's, I mean, connecting it back to what we're studying is like, dogs they have a soul they have some level of consciousness but they're limited and yes. so for us we have this opportunity right to take the Bhagavad Gita and read it and hear a podcast about it and ask these questions and not be part of the rat race right, right. and like actually make actionable changes in our life that could stop us from just behaving like an animal yes. right? of course and I want to add one point I to love clarify. that great story <laughs> you know I never even considered that I had to clarify this until one friend who's, who's not, he's, who's, who was coming to contact with this philosophy. He asked me, okay, but I still have a real hard time wrapping in my head around. It sounds like there's a hierarchy, like one soul is better than the other. And I was like, whoa, wait, no, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. Let me clarify. So it wasn't until someone asked me that I didn't even realize, okay, when we're talking about the dog's consciousness is limited, someone might interpret that like, oh, we're better than the animals. The soul is the soul and it's like the one droplet from the ocean. It's the same. But the vehicle or the body is going to be an expression for our soul. So the dog is limited in his ability to analyze, rationalize, and apply that consciousness to evolving. And it doesn't mean that innately the dog's soul is lesser than us. It's just that we go elevating our vehicle, the body, Mm. by our actions. Yeah, and it should be really carefully to understand that they're still a living entity. They have their own soul, and next to their soul is Parabhatma, which is God within our hearts. And therefore, to act towards them with compassion is really important, right? So basically the next time, ladies and gentlemen, you see your dog or cat looking out the window, just assume they're having an existential crisis. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Wait, question. So does that mean Paramatma, like the Krishna that resides in our soul, is also in the soul of a dog? Yes, and that of a tree and that of a leaf and that of a flower. So Krishna also lives in all of these things. Where? That's kind of beautiful. He cares about about all of us. He's actually Mm. there looking out for us, like you said, guiding us and giving us some direction when we're lost so krishna was in mr pokey he was, he was. Oh, he was in mr pokey oh, mr pokey never knew he'd be this famous i know right <laughs> i mentioned so many times this podcast with 10 episodes um, love it and i love this last line that says in the purport krishna can 
God can, however, be known as such by the causeless mercy of the pure devotee and by no other way. So breaking that down a second, God and his potency and the mystery behind it, it can be so inconceivable. But kind of how we mentioned the deeper you surrender and be like, okay, I'm going to take the steps myself to try to learn the knowledge. But with the mood to enter into this mystery, mysterious, secret, ancient knowledge, that's how much we'll go understanding it. Right. And it's like, you've always heard that, for that phrase, and you take one step towards God, he takes 10 steps towards oh, you, right? I love and I've that. felt I got that chills. so many times in my life, right? <laughs> and it's just through causeless mercy. Like, there's no other way. Give us an example, Shama, of a time where you've like really felt like, oh my God, this is just. Um, divine arrangement or this was or or a chapter in your life where you maybe you know what you had talked about even in college feeling really confused and probably I'm sure when you came in contact with a lot of this it was kind of like the answer to what you had been seeking actually in college so I went to this prestigious school I gra- like I graduated the Harvard of Canada the Harvard of Canada which <laughs> it sounds it, it doesn't matter because it's Canadians right but it, it was a really great school right and I graduated and I went into the working world and I join this rat race, right? I, I went into an advertising company. It was called Ogilvy and Mather, one of a huge advertising agency. Like it's a really, really big, like really like it's offices all over the world. And for, for someone from a material standpoint, everyone would be like, Oh my God, you're so successful. Mm. You got a job at this great mm. advertising agency. And one of my clients was Dove. So I was working on the real, the, the real beauty campaign for job. Yeah. It was like such a, like a, a hot shot job. It was like Mad Men, you know, a little bit. <laughs> and I remember being miserable oh. on paper. My life looked amazing. Right. Cause I had graduated mm. from this great school. Right. I was making a lot of money and I was at a cool company. But at the end of the day, I was so miserable because I was working from 9am in the morning to 10pm. And I was just like pulling in these crazy hours and making these corporations richer and richer and richer and richer. And I was like, there's got to be more to my life. And I like prayed, I prayed Mm. on it. Right. And I was like, Krishna, like, what am I supposed to do here? The next day, the next day I saw like an ad for a comedy school. Hmm. And I was like, and I asked my best friend at the time, I was like, should I take stand-up comedy courses? And she's like, I don't know why you're not doing it already. Mm. And so like literally like it it showed up in my life during a time of where mm. I needed guidance. And I turned to Krishna and I asked those questions, right? So it's like literally like I surrendered because I was like, I'm so unhappy. I need to turn to something higher than myself. And like my life changed after that completely. I love that, Shama, because you hit on some amazing points about the signs and the guidances, they're all there. We can just open our eyes and see yes. them. And they're there. But the minute you surrender and are like, you know what, God, please help me. I don't have the answers. Boom. You're, you, there's, he's like, he clears up your vision. And then it's like, oh, these might have been there yesterday, but I don't see them. Absolutely. I didn't see them until today. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's a whole new world. And yeah. there's a reason it's called a leap of faith because yes. you have to take a leap. Okay. I want to talk a go second ahead. what you just said. Yeah, That's a big point. A leap of faith because so often in spiritual paths or in religious paths, we think it's all faith. It's all faith. No, it's the initial leap of faith into it because once you get in and you're in, you'll start getting the knowledge and it becomes less about then it's still faith, but the feeling grows within you to be such a real tangible thing where it's like, like when you're in love, you can't negate the existence of no, no, this is real. I'm feeling this. Even if you can't see it, you feel it. Anyone who's in love, been in love in life, try to have someone on the outside tell you that's a fake feeling. No, you're crazy, right? (laughs) So I love that concept of it's just the initial leap of faith of that mood of surrender. 
Yeah. And and so going back a little bit to like a sentence before the one that you had just spoken, Shamali, it says, right. the easiest process for understanding the subject matter of self, however, is to accept the statements of the Bhagavad Gita. Mm, so right. that's where it all begins. That's where you can start uh, right, cultivating you might say, How do we take knowledge. that leap of faith? Right. So you're swooping in there with that. Yeah. So, but then also it says, but it is also requires a great deal of penance and sacrifice, either in this life or in the previous one, before one is able to accept Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead. That's huge what you That's just big. said, because it's kind of like the concept of the fans been spinning so fast from one life after another. So if you're listening to this podcast and you've even come into contact with this philosophy, the fan is starting to slow down. And I got to say something even further than that, like the rat race is real yes. and like just trying to figure out maybe sometimes how to survive right. or how to accumulate wealth for, for necessity's sake, even, um, we might like listen to this podcast and be like, yes, I will understand <laughs> that I am the soul and not the body and I will be more compassionate and all these things. But then tomorrow we have work all day and then we're really tired. And then the next day we have work all day and then we're really tired. And it actually becomes really difficult to fully focus. Right? Yes. And so the idea is That's that you true. listen to the po this podcast on Fridays and then you listen to other podcasts on Wednesday and you try to kind of engulf your life in in understanding yourself better. And understanding Krishna better. You might want to listen to some of our episodes on that Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a process though, right? It's a journey. It's right? a journey. And it's like the, the path to self-realization yeah. and, and spiritual growth doesn't just ha like Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Like <laughs> right, this right, takes right. practice and practice and practice. And, and so you know, Priya, though, you foreshadowed something that in a few verses ahead, they're going to talk about, right, it's true. Life is difficult. We still got to do our duty. I can't quit everything and chase the Swami around the world. But they're going to talk in a moment, and if, I don't know if it's the next one or a few purports down, about what mood can we embody while maintaining that mood of devotion throughout doing our life. It's like one foot in each world, right? With our duty while having devotion. So yes. in a moment, they'll talk more about that. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else before we move on? Text 30. All right, Shamali, text 30. Take it away. All righty. So Krishna says, O descendant of Bharata, he who dwells in the body can never be slain. Therefore, you need not grieve for any living being. Alrighty. So what are they talking about here when they say he who dwells in the body can never be? Are they talking about the soul there? The soul can never be slain. Again, he's doubling down again. And right. also, the, I think a key word here is any, right? Therefore, you need not grieve for any living being mm, because right. the purport talks about how his grandfather and his teacher are on the opposite side of him, on mm. the opposite side of the battlefield. So you should not grieve for anyone. If they're on the side of righteousness or unrighteousness, just know that you'll always see them again. Their body might disappear, but their soul will be forever. Right. Yeah. And so uh, Prabhupada then here says, the Lord now concludes the chapter of instruction on the immutable spirit soul. So basically Krishna is like, all right, that's it. Told you about the soul. Let's move forward. Yes. Right. This has been a crash course on the soul. Yes. And I think it's a, just another since we've been talking so much about death and dying and the killing for justified reasons, they again bring it up in the purpose to say, though the soul is immortal, violence is not encouraged. Yes. <laughs> but at the time of war, Sorry, it's a little asterisk. Yeah, little legal like, footnote that probably only, do not try this do, yeah, only experts should do this activity or whatever <laughs> the, the message is. So the it says... The need must be justified in terms of sanction of the Lord and not capriciously. Yes. That's a big line, sanction of the Lord, because we're going to talk in a moment about, anyway, it's going to come about the will of the Lord, because mm -hmm. ultimately that's the highest purpose. And when you can line up your life with the will of the Lord, 
then, you know, you're, you're on a good path. You're on a good path. Yep, yep, yep. All right, text 31. Considering your specific duty as a Chatria, you should know that there is no better engagement for you than fighting on religious principles. And so there is no need for hesitation. Okay, can I do this one? Can I do this one? Can I do this one? I <laughs> yeah. want to do it. I'm so excited because <laughs> like, I've, even as a, as a Hindu kid growing up, I've heard this word Kshatriya and I just thought somebody sneezed and I was like, oh, God bless you. And I was like, Kshatriya. And I was like, oh, bless you. But literally I was like, this, this actual purple. She had a hard time making friends growing I up. I really did. I really did. I was a weird kid. But I like this purple breaks down this word Kshatriya. You know what I mean? Because what is a Kshatriya? We know it colloquially mm. as like a soldier, a warrior, someone who's a upholding justice and righteousness, right? But it, it actually breaks down the Sanskrit where, where shat means hurt. And the one who gives protection from harm mm, is called right. a shatriya. So someone who protects people from harm. That's mm. beautiful. And that's like, and we're going to get into a, a few different verses after this, but it, Arjuna's job, his duty, his dharma, the caste that he was born into means that he has to protect people from harm. Yeah. And, and it kind of goes on further to saying how they were trained by killing in the forest. But I, what I think it's really kind of a sweet gesture. And I think I, I'm not sure, but I think a lot of other cultures had similar respect for the living entity is that if a tiger was killed by a chatria, for example, it would be offered uh, like a royal cremation. Yeah. So like they still yeah. respected the idea that there's a living entity in there. Right? right. Right. And so it was like a whole religious procedure done, not out of whimsical, like, I just want to kill a tiger because I want to have the skin on my uh, living room right. floor kind of thing. It was very purposeful and meaningful and righteous. And you know what I mean? Right. So at the very bottom, unless there's anything else before I get there at the bottom mm -hmm. of the purport, I like how they say there are two kinds of svadharmas or specific duties. So one of them, as long as we're not liberated, we're still on this platform, we have to perform duties in accordance to kind of like what, whatever we have, what qualities do we have going on, right? So human civilization begins from the stage of the Varnashram Dharma or specific duties in terms of the specific modes of nature of the body obtained. So Let's say you have qualities that you could be in line with a teacher. Okay, Priya and I became teachers. We have those qualities that draw us mm -hmm. to that. Uh, Shama's hilarious. No wonder she'd want to be a comedian and maybe spread <laughs> enlightening uh, truths through comedy. You know, <laughs> like so. We so when we're still on this platform, we find things that hopefully we can give back using what we've been given. But the other type of duty is that once you're liberated, once svadharma or specific duty becomes spiritual, and it's not on the material bodily concept. So a specific example might be like a monk or a nun or a swami. Mm. They've totally, they've achieved a different platform and they make their sole duty spirituality and spreading the message. Yeah. And so the, it introduces a little bit of what it's called Varnashram Dharma. Right. Um, I think we will get further into it, but it's the idea that within every role of life. So let's say from the first stage where you would consider it like brahmachari. So like a student. And then after you become a student for the first like 18 years of your life, then you're considered to be a grihasta. And these will come up again, right? And the grihasta is like a married couple and th they have children and family and all of the, that. So different stages different of life, Different stages right? of life okay. and how each of those apply to having a spiritual purpose as well. 
right. So like the connection of doing your duty as as well as being connected to God in one in one way or another. Right. Because it's true. We're not going to all move to a mountain and renounce everything and become a, a, a sage there just dedicating our lives to this. So it's beautiful that they have specific duties for each stage of life you're in. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, basically these, by following these kind of guidelines or stages in life in which you engage, uh, with spiritual practices as well, you're like taking stepping stones for spiritual understanding. Right, right. Okay. Text 32. All right. Text 32. Oh, Partha, happy are the Kshatriyas to whom such fighting opportunities come unsought, opening for them the doors of the heavenly planets. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, I think he's basically saying like most Kshatriyas, most soldiers are happy about these opportunities because <laughs> once you are a soldier and you're doing your duty and you're upholding righteousness, that's good karma for you. So basically, if you're not seeking opportunities to fight and they come for you and you do your duty and then you die, you go to the heavenly planets. And that's right. that's the ultimate and you're prize. Like, Heck yeah. This is great. Free ride. And it's so funny to see. First class. First class. <laughs> Sorry. Go with first class. It's so funny to see what your natural qualities are uh, drive you to select a specific duty. Because, for example, if I were on the battlefield and people start running towards me, you better believe I'm going to turn around and run in the opposite direction. I'm, not, I'm yes. no Satria person or with those qualities. <laughs> I'm a dainty flower. <laughs> it's true, I right? Crumble. Yeah. And, and, and Arjuna used to say, I do not find any good in fighting this fight, right? It's going to it's gonna be hell for everybody. Nobody's going to have a good time, right? But right. they says that such statements by Arjuna were due to ignorance. He wasn't realizing that his real purpose, his real duty was to keep others from harm, right? Yeah. Right. It says their duty is to protect the citizens from all kinds of difficulties, no matter how hard it is for them. And this was the utmost test of Arjuna, having to go against his family members who've been acting in a corrupt way. Can you do it? Yeah. And so um, basically, I think Prabhupada and Krishna are kind of saying like, Arjuna, you don't have any reason to not fight, right? Like right. If, if you conquer your enemies, you would enjoy like a kingdom of... You're, you know, like the great palaces splendor. and like taking care of society and like all the greatness. Right. And if you died in battle, you would go to a heavenly planet, like a wonderful planet where you get to enjoy. Either way, it's a win win. Exactly. So what what's your problem? Yes. <laughs> yes. I like fighting in this case would benefit you regardless. So like what's win going or on? Lose. Yeah. Believe in the soul or don't believe in soul. Krishna is giving all of the like angles Arjuna could possibly go to and being like, fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All righty. Text number 33. Okay. Priyadarshini. Oh, I think it's Shama. Oh, you forgot God. about me? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I it's okay. I see. I see you, how it is. You got this, no. You got this. Apologies. <laughs> okay. If, however, you do not perform this religious duty of fighting, then you will certainly incur sins for neglecting your duties and thus lose your reputation as a fighter. Whoa. So he's taking it a step further to being like, you're going to incur a lot of sin if you don't fight. In there, fact, there's a lot of arguments, right? Mm, like Arjuna right. had a mm. lot of arguments. And now Krishna, Krishna, after he's done with his whole body right. soul situation, he's thrown out further and further like, arguments. Really? Are you going to do that? Like you are famous, man. You're right. going to lose really? your reputation. Like the, the first line says, Arjuna was a famous fighter and he attained fame by fighting many great demigods. But if he abandoned the battle... Not only would he neglect his specific duty as a chatria, but he would lose all of his fame and good name and thus prepare his royal road to hell. Whoa, Ooh. that sounds a little bit intense. And when I was Ugh. reading this over, I tried to sit with it and be like, okay, but uh, why is his fame and reputation so important? And then the more I thought about it, I thought, right, someone 
in Arjuna's position, he's not, first of all, he's a Satria, but he's not any ordinary Satria. He's like such a leader amongst men. So I feel like he is setting the way for the example. And Krishna doesn't want other people to follow in his footsteps and abandon their duties. He is setting an example as such a renowned personality. Yeah. And I think the life, I'm imagining that life was simpler then. Right. You know, you had that role. You're a Kshatriya and that's what you do, right? Right. So not doing that, not doing your duty equates to the laws of of men at that time as the wrong thing to do. Therefore, you'll go to hell. Right. Which Maybe nowadays like, we have so many different options for duties, right? But let's pretend like it would probably be the equivalent of abandoning all duties and you just would rather sit on your couch and do nothing. Watch right. Netflix. Right. That's, <laughs> a, that's the equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yes. like, no, we have to live our duty and set an example of exactly. doing that. Exactly. Yeah. So text 34, people will always speak of your infamy. And for a respectable person, dishonor is worse than death. Whoa, I love that. The purport says, both as friend and philosopher to Arjuna, <laughs> friend and philosopher, that's awesome. Lord Krishna now gives his final judgment regarding Arjuna's refusal to fight. He's like, what is that with the, when the judge pa hits the table? The, yeah, the gavel. gavel. Right, right. Dun, 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 dun. How, how do you know that word? That, that's so obscure. I have gavel. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Gavel. I've, okay. I watch a lot of TV as a gobble, kid. Gobble, gobble. I, watch, <laughs> I watch a lot of Judge Judy as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Krishna's like laying his final argument. And so dishonor, it's kind of like taunting and like, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, like, do you want to be a respected man? Because dishonor is worse than death. And so, mm. I mean, he's pulling out all the shots out of his back pocket. I feel like we have to remember that uh, we, as human beings, have so many different qualities. Like some of us can be sarcastic and playful and right. like, kind of like, like, oh, giving each other like uh, a trouble, a hard way. time or something, Hassling right? And each other. all these qualities came from Krishna. So he has to have them, right? right so like, right. he's kind of like, really, man, that's we what you're going to do? a little bit. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have infamy? Like, is that how you want to be? Like, you know what I mean? I like, love that point, Priya, because like, as we had said, we, our source can't have a quality that we don't have. It comes from somewhere. I love right. the thought of a sarcastic God, you know, <laughs> and a one that just pokes and prods at you sometimes. But with, for your own good. For your own good. Right. That's Absolutely. the best kind of friend to have. Yes. Right. The most caring one that knows what what to do when and for your utmost benefit. Yes, yes. I love it. All right, text number 35. The great generals who have highly esteemed your name and fame will think that you have left the battlefield out of fear only, and thus they will consider you insignificant. That's that's like the biggest insult 5,000 years ago. You know, (laughs) insignificant. Priya and I had mentioned at one point earlier, like, right, I mean, we were trying to wrap our heads around this Mm because she had said, okay, if someone doesn't understand my motives, Arjuna is feeling, feeling a lot of compassion, and so what? If they don't understand my motives, great, that's my motives, science go into the woods. I don't care whether you understand or not. But then like we sat with it for a moment and we started discussing and it's right. Arjuna is in a leadership position. He's setting the example. So if he abandons his duty and Krishna allows it, that's going to say a lot for the rest of the world to follow. He was one of the greatest fighters that there ever was. And so uh, I think uh, our producer made a comment that Arjuna was an influencer, if you can say that, right? Because he was in such a position where others were influenced by how he behaved and how he did things. So he's like- And he's the best archer in the world. Exactly. So it's kind of like, if you leave, they're going to think that you're just a coward. Yeah. It's going to be a a game of broken telephone, right? So say like, Mm. uh, like Krishna, like Arjuna tells Krishna, okay, I'm doing this out of compassion. 
compassion for, for my family. <laughs> but then there that person will tell another soldier and another soldier. And then back the word back to the enemy side will be, oh, Arjuna's a coward. You know, yeah. it's not going to be about compassion or anything. It's going to be broken telephone and, imagine, and he's going to look like a loser. <laughs> yeah. And imagine, I don't know, I'm just picturing like an army and you have like the, the, the leaders that are like really good and they've been doing this for years and they feel really confident. And then you have like the beginners that are like, well, if Arjuna's going to fight, I'm going to fight because like he's awesome, right? And now you hear Arjuna's backing out of this fight. Like if he's not going to do this, why should I do this? And like, yes. yeah. And like, I don't have to be a Chachra maybe. Like I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, but like maybe I don't have to. And it creates a whole ripple of like, Right. They also lived in a time where their words and actions were so thoughtful. Like, yeah. they, like Arjuna's brother Yudhisthira was known for being so righteous that he never told a lie. Can you imagine nowadays when our actions and words <laughs> are so whimsical that people lie left and right, fib here and there, ah, it's a white lie, whatever. No, Arjuna and Yudhisthira and all the Pandavas were on such a level that it was their word and their reputation and their honor. They took it to such a depth. So walking away from this and not carrying out his duty to Arjuna, where he was so saintly, almost so pure, it meant a lot. Then for us, if we do a little fib here and there, oh, a little blunder, whoopsie daisy, you know. Yep. Yeah. All right. Text number 36, Shamali. Thank you, Shama. <laughs> All righty. Um, your enemies will describe you in many unkind words and scorn your ability. What could be more painful for you? As a little poke when your friend forgets you in the order of reading the purple. My that bad. Can be re- My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but he's poking. He's also poking at like the male ego a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah. He's just like, hey, like what could be more painful, you know? Yeah, I would love to have a visual of seeing Krishna actually ha- in what mood I he's know. this. Is all like, like his face. He's yeah. like, hey, yeah. listen. Yeah. He's like the meme face. I'm like, oh, really? You're going to do it? Are you yeah. going to do that? You're going right. to leave the battlefield? It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he says, Lord Krishna was astonished in the beginning and he describes his compassion, Arjuna's compassion, is befitting the non-Aryans, which we had described that where the Aryans is the ancient civilization of holding spirituality at its core. So he's kind of saying, it is not spiritual of you to not carry out your duty. Mm. Good, good, good. Text Alrighty. 37. O son of Kunti, either you will be killed on the battlefield and attain the heavenly planets, or you will conquer and enjoy the earthly kingdom. Therefore, get up with determination and fight. So he's telling him what's going to happen. There's only two options here. Right. You're either yeah. going to die or you're going to win. It's going to be great, right? Right. 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 Like giving him, it's either a yes or a yes. <laughs> no yeah. choice. And yeah. it's a win-win situation right. for you. So just right. get up and fight. Right. All righty. Right. Text 38. Text 38. Do thou fight for the sake of fighting without consideration, without considering happiness or distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat. And by doing so, you shall never incur sin. Okay. The first line in the purport is significant to me because there's another shift. We saw a shift when Arjuna became the disciple and surrendered. Now here there's a shift when it says, Lord Krishna now directly says that Arjuna should fight for the sake of fighting because he capital he desires the battle. So Krishna. Krishna desires the battle. So that's a big one because Krishna's laid out all these arguments. He's laid out the soul. He's laid out, you're going to lose your reputation. La da 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 da. Now he's finally saying, it is my will. Kind of like it is God's plan. And, yeah. and when you're in line with God's plan, you don't know everything. Krishna knows why this war is happening. He knows the outcome of everything. So he's just saying, 
do your duty. This is my desire. Yeah, yeah. I think I sometimes think about it as a mother who tells their son who's like a little kid not to touch the fire. Right. 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 Like they know something more than you don't know. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you have free will because Arjuna does. Arjuna right. has a free will to choose here. But mm-hmm. Krishna's like, listen, I'm I'm giving you all the information. You really should trust me on this. Right. right. And and you should just fight. Don't worry about happiness or distress or loss or gain or anything. Just don't worry about if you die or if you succeed, yeah. because either way, you're going to be OK. I got you. I can see into the future. Like, listen, and you should just trust me. And, and I love it because it talks about like the importance of duty, what our duties are. Right. You guys are both teachers. You know, you have to teach regardless of if there's one kid in your class or 500 kids in your class. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you still have to show up and do your duty. Some days are going to be hard. Some days are going to be really fun. Some days you're going right. to be paid a lot less than you are. You're supposed to be paid. Some days you're going to be paid more. Right. Me as a comedian, I used to sh- go to shows and there'd be like five <laughs> people in the audience mm. and I still had to be funny. Right. And then I had days where there's 5,000 people in the audience. I still had to show up and bo- do my duty. And in this case, Arjuna, his job is to be a soldier. Right. Whether he wins or loses, it doesn't matter. He just has to show up and do his duty. I love that because it gives you a compass for if you give all of your heart into what you do, offer it up as a, as a, as a, how do you say, a, oh my God. Sir, service. As right? a service, right? Mm-hmm. For God, offer it up. This is my duty and I'm going to put everything into what I'm doing right now, even if I don't love to. So he, it goes on to say in the purport that everything should be performed for the sake of God or Krishna is transcendental consciousness. Whatever we're doing, we're cooking a meal. Oh, let me cook it so I can offer something to to God and then eat it or anything we're doing can be spiritualized. So there's no reaction to material activities. And he who acts for his own sense gratification, either in goodness or in passion, is subject to the reaction, good or bad. That's significant because even if we perform good, pious acts, if they're not kind of a service for something greater than us, we're still going to go in the reactions of good, bad karma and get up and down the elevator Over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. All right. Text 39. Text 39. Thus far, <laughs> thus far, I have described this knowledge to you through anal- analytical study. Now listen as I explain in terms of working without fruitive results. O son of Pritha. When you act in such knowledge, you can free yourself from the bondage of works. Okay, let's pause a second there. Fruitive results. So now listen as I explain it in terms of working without fruitive results. If we remember the analogy of the two little birds on the tree, one of the birds, us, the soul. Oh, I just want to eat all the fruits of the results of my actions. I get money. Ooh, I want to spend it on clothes for me. I get food. I'm going to eat to fill my stomach. It's me, 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 me. Yeah. I also, I also think the word fruit just reminds me of the idea. Like, let's say you're planting any kind of plant you want, right? Like an apple tree or maybe something that grows a little faster, but some, (laughs) some plant that you can- Tomatoes. Tomatoes. That's a great example, right? So you're planting tomatoes. Like the idea is if you plant the tomato- with the intention that if I don't have a fruit come out of this plant so that I can eat it, I'm going to be miserable. Like right. I, like the expectation that you're only doing an activity for the result, it creates misery. So he's yes. basically saying like working without 
waiting for that result. Rather like I'm going to plant and hopefully it goes well. I'm going to do everything Mm -hmm. I can so that plant grows so that I can have tomatoes, so that I can share tomatoes with others. Right. Right. But without like putting so much pressure on the end result of that thing. You know, that exactly what you said, Priya, is what my mom used to tell me when, you know, I was a competitive figure skater. I was trying to go about to go to the Olympics representing Argentina. And so on that high level of you have a whole panel of judges watching you able to microanalyze on a computer, your action by action, you get nervous before a competition. I remember being so nervous. And my mom would tell me this philosophy to try to help combat the nerves. She would tell me, do your best, do your duty, put everything into it, but try to be detached from the results. And that psychologically would help so much because it's like, okay, this is right now in a way my meditation. I'm going to try to apply everything I know, but when it comes time for the final performance and the audience is quiet and I'm out there alone in the arena... I'm going to let go of what happens and God can take over. Oh my God. Isn't yeah. that, isn't that a beautiful like way to go about like, like it's so nerve wracking before yeah. you get onto the ice. Right. Yeah. But if you, you, she used Bhagavad Gita philosophy to help calm your nerves down. Right. So just like the ice skating arena, we're in the arena of life. Anything we do, put your best, do your best in your duty. But then when it comes to the results, let them go. Offer yeah. it up to God. Love it. And there's this moment where it's like, let's talk about why Arjuna was tripping out. You know, why was he so sad? And it talks in the purport is because he forgot his duty, right? He was mm-hmm. he was thinking about the results. He's like, oh, crap. If I do this war and I kill all of these family members, what's going to happen to me? Oh, I'm not going to be happy because half of my family is dead and it's not going to be good for everybody. And he was thinking right. a lot about himself and yes. what the outcomes were going to be. Right. But he yes. wasn't thinking about what his main duty in his life life was. Yes. Right. There's a part of the purport. Exactly. It says Sankhya refers to that philosophy, which describes the real nature of the soul. And yoga involves controlling the senses, which as we know, our senses can run wild like the wind. So Arjuna's proposal not to fight was actually based on his sense gratification because he forgot what was his prime duty. He wanted to stop fighting because he thought that by not killing his relatives and kinsmen, he would be happier. So he was thinking of himself and Krishna outlines all of the reasons why this is your duty and this is for the highest moral code. I just got to say that word sense gratification. I think we should start there at the next episode. Right, right. <laughs> we can talk about it you now. Think so? Let's yeah. talk about it now. I mean, like, what does sense just, gratification mean? Yeah, that's well, like we have whole... senses, right? Eyes, nose, mouth, ears. And when we want to gratify something is to give pleasure. So when our main objective in an action is to give pleasure to our own senses, I'm going to eat this because it tastes so good. I'm mm. going to be with this woman, man, because it feels so good. It's a very sense. Um, I want to listen I, to this podcast because it, it smells sounds so good. Oh my God, it smells. I don't know what <laughs> it smells so good. Sorry, we also so have good. a modern yogi fragrance that's coming oh. out in uh, summer 2023. There we go. It's a combination of all our individual scents. Yes. Right, right. Sweat. I don't think you want that. Sweat and tears. 1999. Right. So in a way, when we just want to gratify our own senses, it's self-centered, right? Yes. It's me, me, mm-hmm. me. So get out of your own self and try to use your senses to please something beyond yourself. Right. And even if someone's not spiritual, they know like, oh yeah, give back to society. Oh, give back, help if you can. So already we have some notion in, in society about giving back and using our senses for something beyond ourselves. Right. And here we're taking it even further, dovetailing it to God has a purpose. And if you connect to that, it will propel you into unimaginable heights. Right. Boom. So going, connecting that to what uh, Shama Sangeeta was saying, it's like, 
Arjuna is already thinking like, well, my happiness depends on them living, yes. right? Or like how even I, both scenarios, my like, or how I like will Arjuna's feel, happiness. Yeah. yeah, my senses will be feel better if I don't kill them, right? Yeah. And in that sense, it's a, it's like a very simple scenario in which actually just your duty is to do so and they will be okay and all this stuff. But he cannot see that because he's just thinking about how he's going to feel right? rather than the full picture of what's happening in this. Right. So back to the equation we talked about earlier, keep your head down on the path, keep knowledge, keep devotion, but do your duty no matter how difficult it is. Because if we just base everything on a feeling, we'll be lost. Yes. All right. And on that note, we're going to wrap up and we're going to start the next episode with text number 40, chapter two. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Have a good one. Bye. Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.